It is Friday, June 23rd. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The NBA draft in the books. And the College World Series set. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Big shocker, Victor Wimbanyana goes first to the Spurs in the NBA draft. A real shocker as Chris Paul gets traded to the Golden State Warriors. And LSU outlasts Wake Forest in a pitcher's duel. What is the Vegas lead? With the first pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the San Antonio Spurs select Victor Wembanyama from Nantar, France. You heard the commissioner. No surprise, Victor Wembanyama. Wembanyama. There you go. Nailed it. Wembanyama, the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, AJ. Yeah, and this is, again, we've known this for a long time. Uh, it looks like the the next big thing in the NBA, I think, as we said on yesterday's show, if he stays healthy, I think that's the... The floor for him is whatever his health allows. The ceiling is literally unlimited. Here was Wembenyama after the draft on the five minutes leading up to hearing his name called. Longest five minutes of my life, you know. Uh, this is when I started getting the butterflies. <laughs> and, uh, and it's where uh, I started seeing my family uh, get silent, Every, everyone watching their watch. Um. Uh, yeah. Then I I got I got called, and I went I went to the back, and uh yeah, you know I was congratulated by a lot of people there. I I, I met I saw Adam Silver, shook his hand again, gave him a hug, then someone gave me gave me this, you know, someone <laughs> someone knew this was happening somehow, and uh yeah you know just got a I just got a lot of love. Yeah, everyone knew. I mean, he was minus, what was he, minus 20,000 to be the number one pick? Yeah, what's he talking about? The longest five minutes. Yeah. You knew, bro. You knew. Everyone knew. He was at Yankee Stadium, like, earlier this week. Like, you know, throwing out the first pitch and everyone's celebrating him. They might as well have said San Antonio Spurs, you know, yeah. forward or center or whatever he's going to play. San Antonio Spurs, big man. You Victor know, people Wimbenyama. have been walking by. Everybody walks by and is like, go Spurs, go. Yeah. Like, you know that's what's happening. He's like, oh, they must be talking soccer. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so that was no doubt. The sports books didn't have to worry about that. The odds were astronomical, unless people were willing to do like you know x amount x amount to win a very very tiny amount and just get their points. They weren't uh, having any liability there on Wembenyama to go number one. Now the interesting part of the draft was the second overall pick, AJ. And when we were on the show yesterday morning, Brandon Miller was the favorite to be drafted second overall. The firm favorite. The firm favorite to be drafted second overall. I believe it was minus 700 at some point yesterday morning, right? That was that was probably I think, the highest that I saw it at. That sounds like a uh, it's, it sounds like a strong play. Yeah. Yeah, and that was at Caesar Sportsbook and there were a couple other sports books that were right in line with that. Well, yesterday morning Shams Charania tweeted out something very interesting. He said, quote, 
Scoot Henderson is gaining serious momentum at number two with the Charlotte Hornets in tonight's NBA draft. Hornets have been torn over the last week between Henderson and Brandon Miller. Team has final meetings today to settle on decision. End quote. After that news broke on Twitter, people, of course, flooded the sports books because they said, wait a minute, I can get plus 160 now on Scoot Henderson. So they bet it, and Caesars moves the odds down. Brandon Miller goes from minus 700 to minus 400. Scoot Henderson from plus 160 to plus 130. That's not a big drop because they're, like, assessing their liability. And then they take the bets off the board. Yeah. They, they gather their information, and then they repost the odds for the second overall pick. This is after Shams' tweet. Scoot Henderson, minus 800. Brandon Miller, plus 400. And then, as we got closer and closer to the pick actually being made, Brandon Miller closed as a minus 650 favorite, and he was the second overall selection by the Hornets, and Scoot Henderson was third. Like I said yesterday, those big moves typically happen on information. The pro- like you, you, just, you just have to know who you can trust as a source. And I'm, I'm not knocking Shams, because I think he's actually a pretty good source for the mm-hmm. NBA most of the time. He's a well-respected insider. It's Woj and it's Shams, yep. But working for a, a sports book, this is, is where is it gets tricky. dicey. This is where it gets very dicey. Shams is a FanDuel partner. He's he hosts the show on FanDuel TV. Now, I, I'm not accusing anybody of of falsifying information or releasing, you know, bogus reports just to maneuver lines because the sports book tells you to do so. I don't think FanDuel is that devious. I don't think a sports book would do that and say, Cockroaches. I understand that, but I don't think they're doing that. And they're saying, hey, listen, because what was their liability? Scoot Henderson was plus 160. What are they saying? Hey, listen, uh, we got Brandon Miller at minus 700 and Scoot Henderson at plus 160. We're getting hammered on this plus 160. So we got to move these odds. Just move the odds. You don't need a report out there to then move him from plus 160 to minus 800. If anything, the move hurt FanDuel because then they got hammered with Brandon Miller, or excuse me, Caesars, because, well, that's an example of Caesars. Maybe FanDuel was the same thing because then they get hammered with Brandon Miller bets, and he winds up. Imagine having a Brandon Miller plus 400 ticket in your pocket to be the second overall pick. Oh, man. Be nice. After he was minus 400? And someone must have gotten it. Of course. Of course people got it. I just think that I don't, again, I don't think anything devious is going on, but I do think that it's a dangerous fine line I do to have. Yeah. I understand the appeal of these sports books wanting content partnerships and having an insider is appealing because, hey, they can get breaking news and they can adjust their lines accordingly right and maybe they're part of their partnership is hey if you find out a player is injured let our senior trader know before you tweet it out because then we can adjust our lines accordingly and this way we stay ahead of the game that's appealing 
But a situation like this where it's an event that is, and I understand limits are low for this kind of stuff. Like in Vegas, they don't take any bets on this. Right. Right. Limits are low. There's no limits on it. Limits are low Lim- if they're available. If they're available. All. Mostly non-existent. I remember talking to Derek Stevens over at Circa prior to the NFL draft last year, and he was like, I don't want to offer anything on this. It's just yeah. like they're not fast enough to keep up with the information. But I, I think that when it comes to an event that's based purely on information like this, it it's almost like you, you can't have anybody associated with a sports book. It's it it's is dangerous. tricky, man. And in the fact that we're even having to question it yeah. or it's being questioned, and I don't, I, I forget who you said uh, had the tweet out there saying that he works for he works for FanDuel essentially. Oh yeah, Jason McIntyre of Fox Sports Radio. Right. He, he said he said something. Yeah. But just the fact that there are people out there even thinking that is a bad sign. Yeah. And. Adam does Adam Adam Schefter's not associated with DraftKings. Woj isn't associated with some with some sports like that's just not how it works typically. So this is uh, it's kind of unprecedented, and it's it's one thing to have like like you said radio hosts or whatever. Mm-hmm. That, that's not that's nothing out of the ordinary. But if your job is a reporter, usually you need to be unattached from any kind of brand like that. Yeah, and and, and look, like, obviously Woj and and Schefter are. are different examples because they work for ESPN and Shams works for The Athletic but it also says clearly on his Twitter page, FanDuel partner, co-host of Run It Back on FanDuel TV. Yeah, Like you work for a sports book and you can't be influencing a market when you work for a sports book. The problem is with all this legalization of sports betting around the country this, it's, still, it's still the wild wild west. Yeah, There hasn't been something that can can govern all of this content partnership associations because, in my opinion, partner up with all the, the TV hosts and radio hosts you want. Partner up with all the writers you want. You can't partner up with insiders. Yeah. Because they're the ones that are breaking news. They're the ones that have the – that's called inside information. Now, there might be something in his contract he can't wager, whatever it is. I'm not saying that there's any shady stuff going on with him, but his information – moves the market and when you can't have somebody employed like that because then it it brings up questions like people were asking last night is this legit or is this the sports book now wanting to manipulate the market and like i said just the fact that we're even asking that question to me makes the juice not worth the squeeze Elsewhere in the top five. At of, least for us. I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I'm sure Sham, Shams loves cashing the checks. Yeah, of course. Like, so, I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to hate on his game. But and hey, listen, if if if, if uh, he manipulated it, then people got a better number on Brandon Miller, then kudos to them. Um, I want to talk about how in the top five picks of last night's draft, three of the five did not play college basketball. Four of the five, right? Four of the five, correct. Yeah. Four of the top five picks did and, not play college basketball. And one of them basketball. played for a year. <laughs> Brandon Miller played one yes. year yes. of well, college basketball. But that happens. The one and done, the, the, that that's happens. But you had the number one overall pick, who is an international player, played in France. The number three pick, Scoot Henderson, played in the G League. Yeah. And the Thompson Twins played in this overtime elite league which is like a professional league for like 16 to 20-year-olds based in Atlanta. We are seeing, and then you had the seventh pick is from France. I mean, we can go on and on with the international. International players are always going to be a thing. But is college basketball, in terms of being the feeding ground 
for the NBA, is that like gone, like out the window? Is that is that dying fast? I don't think it's out the window. It looked like it was going to be out the window until NIL really became a thing. Sure. And that way, like guys like Brandon Miller can, can, and Anthony Black and, you know, the guys who, Case and Wallace, guys who played one and dones, mm-hmm. those guys could still make some money while they were playing college basketball because the reason Overtime Elite and G League started to come about is because these kids were not able to make any money. So they said, well, hey, instead of playing college ball, play here, make yourself some money. Uh, and I think now, especially with at some of these big time programs, you're playing at Kentucky or, or you know, someplace like the UCLA. The likelihood is you're going to be able to get more money in NIL than mm-hmm. you're going to get p- playing at one of the. Sure, uh, and, and 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 you're going to have an incredible life playing at a big time college. Sure, you're, you're the and star. You're, you win you're, a championship. You'll never have to exactly. buy a drink in that you're town. You're a rock again. star on campus. I thought that. You know, these when these leagues start up, like maybe a player going overseas or or this overtime elite that wants to pay 16 to 20-year-olds, they don't go to college or whatever. I thought the best thing that the NBA did was allow for players to come to the G League and play, right? When they changed the rules, because the G League should just be guys that were drafted and, you know, sent down to the NBA D League, the developmental Develop. league, right? Yeah. And then Gatorade, you know, partners with it. it's now called the G League and all that stuff. Anyway, I I like how they said, hey, as long as you're 18 years old, even if you're fresh out of high school, you can come play in the in the G League, and then that could be a pathway for you to go and and be drafted sure. in the NBA. So I do appreciate the NBA controlling that. Um, I just think that when it comes to some of these outside things like this overtime elite, and again, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, just seems shady, right? Then again, college basketball shady. It's shady. So I guess there's no other, there's no way to, to not be shady when it comes to paying kids that are not really. 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. No, it's there's there's no way to really avoid it. So you just uh, you take the good with the bad and and you move on, but. It, it is notable now, and, and we're seeing, obviously, we, over the last several years, we've seen a lot more foreign players, uh, you know, two, two French teammates drafted mm-hmm. in the top ten. That's something that was unthinkable a decade ago. So uh, it, this is the new norm. Like, it, the basketball's gotten big all over the world. Uh, you know, there's there's other routes than college basketball to, to make it to the NBA. So – you know, it's it's all up to these guys. Whatever whatever their best, whatever best suits them. You know, is is seventeen, eighteen year olds. That's where you're going to see these guys coming from. So we have the updated odds for the rookie of the year. Now that we know what teams these guys will play for, and no surprise, there hasn't been much change. Victor Wembanyama is the favorite to win the rookie of the year at minus two twenty five. Scoot Henderson is second at plus 350. Chet Holmgren, which would be my selection, is plus 450. Yeah, people forget Chet Holmgren, still technically a rookie. Brandon Miller is plus 950. And then you have Eamon Thompson at plus 1,400. Cam Whitmore at plus 2,000. Azur Thompson plus 2,200. Yeah, I, I did some research on where the rookie of the year is typically drafted. Going back the last 50 years, Thirty-six uh, percent of the time, the player who was taken number one overall, eight, eighteen out of fifty, has been the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. Has been the rookie of the year. Uh, eight times in the last fifty years, it's been the second pick. Seven times the third. Uh, the fourth pick has been five times. Fifth pick has been four times. Sixth pick has been four. 
And after seven or later, six times in the last 50 years. So oh, wow. it's a pretty rare thing once you get beyond number six to, uh, to be drafted. And if you want to go in a, a shorter time frame in the last 10 years, four number ones have, have won the rookie of the year. Uh, two players drafted in the double digits have won rookie of the year. Michael Carter-Williams in 13, Malcolm Brogdon, the only second-round pick to win it in the last 50 years uh, back in 2016. So here's my question, though. When it comes to like, how many players, I guess I, guess I want to know about Chet Holmgren's chances because didn't Blake Griffin win rookie of the year? He did. But that was the year after he was drafted, right? Right. Because he was drafted in 2009, but he was rookie of the year in 2010. Yep. Because he got because he was injured. So has there any, has there been anybody else other than Blake Griffin to do that? Yeah, there's a few other examples. The most recent one is Ben Simmons, mm. who was drafted in 2016, uh, missed the entire his entire first season with a foot injury. Became rookie of the year in the 2017-18 season. You mentioned Blake Griffin. Uh, you want to go old school? David Robinson missed two years. Oh, that was with military naval, service. Yeah, naval so, service. Yeah, yeah. He was drafted in '87, won Rookie of the Year in the '89-90 season. And Larry Bird, uh, remember he was drafted in '78. Said, "Nah, I'm gonna go back and play one more year of college ball." Back then, Celtics maintained his rights. They owned the rights, yeah, and yeah, he, yeah. he came in the league and won it in uh, in '79-80. So there's precedent for it. I mean, Chet Holmgren is as good of a bet as any of these guys to be Rookie of the Year. And like I said on yesterday morning's show, the fact that he's been with an organization at the NBA level for an entire year, training with them, you know, in the film room, whatever, just being around his teammates. And before his injury last year, he was one of the, he was right there with Ben Bontero yep. to be yep. the rookie of the year last year. Yep. So now granted there is like what everybody's calling a generational talent this year, mm-hmm. but again, I, like I said about Wimbenyama, the floor is his injury yeah. situation. Listen, one guy's minus 225, the other one's plus 450, and I think they have just as good at odds of each other winning the rookie of the year. I lean towards Chet Holmgren plus four fifty, and one's probably playing for a much better team right now. Yeah, and so, with a with a All NBA player yeah. in, in SGA. Yeah, so yeah, Chet Holmgren plus four fifty, Rookie of the Year. Wrapping up the NBA draft, we talked yesterday about the Nuggets hoarding up these draft picks for mm-hmm. this year's draft, trying to uh, to round out their team. I think they got a baller in Julian Strother at number twenty nine. Julian Strother out of Gonzaga, a, a Vegas kid, a local kid who was a, a five-star. He was a legit star coming into college, played you know, with Drew Timmy and those guys, yeah. played with Chet Holmgren uh, the year before. Uh, but this is a guy who I think could be – he could get out on the floor and, and give the Nuggets minutes next season. They also ended up with a couple other guys. They got Jalen Pickett, uh, who's a scoring machine in college at Penn State. Uh, they took, the fact that they took a couple of, of seniors and took all upperclassmen, Strother, a junior. Means they want guys that are ready to play right now. Pickett, a senior at Penn State, and Hunter Tyson, uh, a wing from Clemson, who's also a senior. They wanted mature guys who they can add to the roster, who they think are ready to play in the NBA as soon as possible. I think it's good. I mean, we talk about them as being the uh, the – being the favorites to win the NBA title and nothing – well, they're co-favorites with the Boston Celtics at plus 475, but I like these draft picks. They're definitely going to help – they're definitely going to help have an impact right away on the Denver Nuggets.
Elsewhere in the Western Conference, the Golden State Warriors are the third favorite to win the Western Conference behind the Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns. And the Warriors got older (laughs) yesterday as they have agreed to a trade that will send Chris Paul to team up with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson in a deal with the Wizards. Here's what I like about this for Golden State. They're bringing in a guy who, like I said, this is an organization that's good with accountability. You're not going to, like, Steph Curry's not going to get pissed off that Chris Paul's telling him to work harder. Like, that's not how the Warriors built what they've built. He's a good fit for them from a leadership standpoint. Mm -hmm. He also gives you insurance if if Steph or Clay, well, I should say, when they get hurt at some point. Uh, him being a, a guy who that you can trust to run the offense is he get like is he going to replace their production? No, not at this point. But he can run the offense. Uh, but I, I really think the cultural fit is a big deal for them because I really believe Jordan Poole wasn't a cultural fit. Mm. We we talked about when when he when Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole, the entire season changed for the Golden yeah. State Warriors. Does this, and does this make it like more likely now that you think they'll find a way to bring Draymond back? I don't know. Now, Chris, now, uh, now Jordan Poole's gone. I, I, I think it's it makes it certainly more possible, but because they traded for Chris Paul instead of picking him up off waivers, mm-hmm. they have to eat that salary cap. Yeah. So it's it, it does make it a little more more onerous on them. But uh, I, I do think that this team is mature, and ha- having a guy like Chris Paul is is not a bad thing for them. I, I think this is actually and getting a couple draft picks back, future draft picks basically realizing after they paid Jordan Poole max money that Jordan Poole wasn't a max money guy and cutting bait. I think that's the best thing they could have done. I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas, and they got a water bottle, and they got, like, a celery chopped up. And let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1. But I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect, is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1, and all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against? With Pick 6, you're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now 
and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. Tommy White, listen to Two to zero in 11 innings. LSU takes out Wake Forest. Wake Forest loses for the first time this season. I have such FOMO. When Rhett Louder took the hill. I have such FOMO on this game because I saw the total posted at eight and then seven and a half. And I'm like, this game's going under. First of all, (laughs) unders have been crushing the College World Series. I think it's like 10 and three. Unders have been crushing College World Series games. And... Between these two pitchers, no, you knew they were going to be on their game. These are the two best pitchers in college baseball, and they lived up to the hype. You have the final stat lines on both Skeens and, and Louder? I do. Rhett Louder, seven innings pitch, six strikeouts, two walks, three hits, no runs. Uh, on 88 pitches, by the way, Skeens, eight innings pitched, nine strikeouts, a walk, two hits, zero runs, 120 pitches, 68% of them for strikes. So combined five hits. The hype was real yeah. on these kids. And Skeens also broke the uh, the single-season record for strikeouts in the SEC uh, in yesterday's game as wow. well. So we've got – and by the way, his last pitch, his 120th pitch, his final pitch of his college career – 100 miles per hour. Yeah, I believe so. What a freak. So now we have LSU will take on Florida in the National Championship Series. So game one is going to be tomorrow. And your odds for the – you want the odds for the series first or you want the odds for game one? Let's go go the odds for the series first. Okay, odds for the series, minus 110 both ways. Oh, wow. It's that even. Man, I – I'm surprised at that, just given that you know there's no Paul Skeens throwing for LSU. I Yeah, I was about to say, I think that's probably why, because to, maybe LSU would actually be favored. I don't know. Florida ran through their side of the bracket. Yeah, like but it, LSU has the number one overall pick in the draft on their side and the number two overall pick in the draft. But the number two overall side. pick isn't playing. That's true. Maybe it is a coin toss because both these teams, I mean, are about the same. Florida won the East Division uh, in the SEC. LSU was second in the West, uh, but they twenty and ten versus nineteen and ten conference record in, yeah. in conference. Yeah, uh, and an overall record is like one win apart from each other as well. Fifty two and sixteen, fifty three and fifteen. Yeah, basically the same the same squads this year. So uh, and zero head to head matchups. But how is that possible? Because Florida's in the East, LSU's in the West, and the East plays half the teams in the West one year, half the teams in the West the next year. So they avoided each other this season. Uh, that said, I, I think I am still liking the Gators. They're, they've got the full rest for their pitchers because they didn't have to play an extra mm-hmm. game. 
and you know Skeens isn't going to throw for the Tigers. So at 110-110, I think I do like the Gators. But is there any chance that they would throw Skeens at all on Monday in a game three if necessary? He threw 120 pitches on Thursday. Like it's Friday, Saturday, that's three days rest. Can you give him like two innings after he out of the bullpen or something? 125 pitches on Saturday. Like let the kid have a break. Uh, 245 pitches in his last two games. I mean, it's time for the other guys on the team to step up if something, if they're going to do something, now's the time. Yeah, I I guess you're right. Uh, This is truly a coin flip. It's going to be a fun game one tomorrow. Game two will be on Sunday afternoon and game three, if necessary, coming up on Monday. Major League Baseball, the all-star voting is underway, and the second phase will be going on this week. We'll find out the complete list of all-star starters by the end of next week. The all-star game is July 11th in Seattle. What we do know right now is Shohei Otani and Ronald Acuna are automatic starters for both the American League and National League. And those you, are you probably think it's warranted? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they're probably going to be the MVPs of both the American League and way. the National League right now. Uh, so that's what we know is they're the leading vote getters and they have been named all-star starters. Speaking of uh, Acuna, his Braves with a 10-inning win over the Phillies yesterday, 5-1. to one. Acuna, you know, ho-hum day for him, just one for five. You know, that's it. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, it's like, is this guy really the MVP? Yeah, this guy? He oh. dropped his average to 324 on the season. Is he even an all-star? Let's I, honestly, <laughs> I don't I don't know anymore. I just, I just don't. Uh, the, the big story in Major League Baseball, though, yesterday has to do with the team with the best record, and that is the Tampa Bay Rays. Shane McClanahan started against the Kansas City Royals, and in the fourth inning or the third inning, I believe, he left the game with back tightness, and... They he didn't want to come out of the game. All right. It was two outs in the fourth inning, and the game was tied at two. His velocity was down, and they were concerned. I, I'd say yeah. they, the Royals scored two runs off McClanahan. Yeah, they yeah. should be concerned. So he allowed two runs, four hits, walk two, 66 pitches, and they go out to the mound to check on him. And he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I'm I'm good. Like, I'm fine. And then Kevin Cash is like, like, no, like you're the goose that laid the golden egg. I'm, I'm not going to like try anything with you. You're coming out of the game. And so they find out after the game or they say something after the game that it's back tightness. It could not be back tightness. It could be nothing. It could be something more serious, but they're calling it back tightness. And uh, Kevin Cash just was a little concerned about the way the ball was coming out and the way that he looked on the mound. So I wouldn't be surprised if with this big of a lead, in the division standings. Well, it's not that big of a lead. It's four and a half games, but still they're in first place in the division. All-star break is coming up in two weeks. You could maneuver this rotation so that you skip a start before the all-star break and you skip a start after the all-star break or you push a start back. So this would give McClanahan essentially, you know, two weeks off to kind of rest. Yeah. And teams have done that before. Like that's a, that's a, Common That's move. a strategy. It's a common strategy with the with pitchers. You, they'll make the all-star game. They'll say, hey, I'm not going to participate, right? You skip a start leading up to the all-star break. You push the start back afterwards. You wind up getting five days, 
plus the, the four days for the All-Star break, plus another four days by the time your next start comes around. It's a, it's a two-week break for these guys, and I think that's what the Rays probably should do with the uh, favorite to win the Cy Young in the American League in Shane McClanahan. The Rays did lose that game, by the way, 6-5. to five. They yeah. closed as minus 335 favorites. So Oof. they also played without Wander Franco, who was benched. Kevin Cash benched Wander Franco for two games because of the way that he was handling his frustration. Now, I was talking to Griffin Warner on the baseball podcast when we recorded it last night, and we're like, you know, do you think he probably, like, trashed the clubhouse? Like, I mean, it had to be something major to sit the guy for two games. Yeah, like, he probably, like, he, he probably, like, he, he, they said, for the first report was that it was lack of hustle because he had, like, he's not running out ground outs, you know? Okay. He's, like, doing that kind of thing, but... He threw his bat like after he struck out, and I got a feeling that he trashed the clubhouse. And then they were like, "Hey, who did this?" And like his teammates were like, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know. probably Wander." Check, check the tape. Yeah, check the tape. And uh, you know, Kevin Cash said, "You know, he's a young player. He's learning and dealing with challenges of being a major league player. Frustrations come with it." And and he's right. So Wander Franco benched. Um, and in this game, so I had raised first five. Of course, it's Shane McClanahan against the Royals. So it's a 2-2 game, bottom of the fifth. And this is just, like, so race. <laughs> um, Randy Rosarena hits a rope down the left field line. Yandy Diaz is on first, going to second, going to third. He trips. And instead of getting up and, like, trying to make it to third, he stayed on the ground and just gave himself up. Oh. And then, like, the shortstop who got the cutoff in the left fielder just, like, walked into the infield and tagged him. Oh. And then, like, trainers come out to look at him. But he stayed in the game. He was fine. He wasn't but, hurt. Just yeah. lazy. It was just, yeah, just, I don't know. So Just gave it up. The fact that the Rays lost that game yesterday, it, it makes me like them even more in this game today. It's Zach Eflin against Zach Greinke. Only one of those Zacks has been good this year. Yeah, and and the one that's been good has been really good. Yeah. Um, Zach Greinke, if you're looking for some home road splits away from Kansas City, a 6.15 ERA. Opponents batting 259 against him. I, I think the Rays have a bounce back. Kevin Cash probably lighting a fire under his guys for this game after losing to the Kansas City Royals. So I, I think the Rays are, are, are a strong play here tonight. Um, elsewhere tonight, the Braves are taking on the Reds. The Reds who have won 11 straight games, AJ. This could be the night where it ends, though. Atlanta's minus 160 on the road with uh, your namesake, AJ smith Shaver is on the mound. And Luke Weaver going for the Cincinnati Reds. smith Shaver this year has a 2.03 ERA. He's only made three starts, but he's only allowed three runs. It feels like they've been, I mean, they've been dogs in almost every game. Of course, yeah. I don't know, man. Well, not when they play the Rock, the Rockies. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But a chance, this would be, this would be a chance to set the record. Like this would, or it would tie the record for most wins. They tie the Louisville Colonels here. Oh, for a team that lost 100 games? Yes, the they yeah. gotta get it. Yeah, I, I the, the Braves offense is hot, but how could you go against a streaking team like the Reds? 11 straight wins. Elsewhere, the Twins are at the Tigers. Kenta Maeda is back. He uh, is going to be activated off the IL to make the start for Minnesota. Joey Wentz goes for Detroit. Minnesota 
is minus 145. Pirates are at the Marlins. Luis Ortiz for the Pirates. Jesus Lazardo for Miami. Miami minus 178. Mets are at the Phillies. Kode Senga goes up against Taiwan Walker. Philly is minus 120. Are we back on the Senga train, AJ? Senga's been, he's gotten, he's found it. He's back to being good again. So uh, it's Mets or pass for me. Well, I will say this. Taiwan Walker, in his last three starts, has only allowed one run. Maybe it's an under then. I, I mean, that's it. it. seems like a good time for that because singa has been good, and the strikeouts have been coming. That strikeouts a, there, eight, six. I mean, he's got. He had that one bad outing where he had, he went like two in the third innings against Toronto, but besides that, he's gone over like his strikeout prop in every game. And the Phillies strike out quite a bit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. What is what's our number at tonight? Six and a half. I don't hate it. Uh, it's a big number, but I don't hate it. He's he's warranted those big numbers, and he's covered them. So, yeah, that's the way I would look is, is uh, for him to, to strike out a bunch of Phillies tonight. So, in the last three starts for Taiwan Walker, eight strikeouts, five strikeouts, eight strikeouts. His prop is four and a half tonight. I mean, this doesn't sound bad either. Yeah, I think I mean, both Maybe guys, just see a bunch of strikeouts tonight. Yep. Yep. Mariners are at the Orioles. Logan Gilbert against Kyle Gibson. And Logan Gilbert and the Mariners are dogs. Baltimore minus 115. Man, that's a little bit of a surprise, but it's a, it's a close matchup. That's It should be a good game. Rangers are at the Yankees. This one off the board. Probably a pitching change right now. But Rangers have the best offense in baseball. Playing in that small ballpark in New York. I, I don't care who's pitching for the Yankees. Uh, Yankees just got routed yesterday, 10-2. to two. In that game, the Yankees used four pitchers. Well, three. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa pitched the ninth inning. <laughs> so uh, Ramirez and Abreu had to pitch. But I don't think they want to tap into their bullpen. They might have to again. I think the Rangers score. I might back like a Rangers team total just because of that offense. In that ballpark. Yeah, especially if Clark pitching or Clark Schmidt's pitching. I, I'm mm-hmm. going to be on a team total over. Yeah. Let's take a look at the A's at the Blue Jays. James Caprillion against former A, Chris Bassett. Toronto's minus 305. Chris Bassett, incredible splits this season. He is very good at home in the Rogers Center. Well, that's good news because the A's are very bad away from home. Yeah. So this, uh, it may be a match made in heaven here. Brewers at the Guardians. Cleveland's minus 145. Wade Miley and Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber going for the uh, Guardians. I feel like I just always like fading Shane Bieber. It, it, I think you and a lot of other people do because his, name, five and four his name value is yeah. better than he's pitched this year. He hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been particularly great either. Red Sox at the White Sox. Brian Bello against Lucas Giolito. Boston minus 115 on the road. I don't hate Giolito here. I, I think, I mean, these two pitchers have been about the same. Uh, but Giolito, it feels like he's starting to find some, mm. some of that old form again. So I, 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 at a dog price, I think I could get behind the White Sox. Angels are at the Rockies. Patrick Sandoval gets a start for L.A. Kyle Freeland for Colorado. L.A.'s minus 165. Nationals are at the Padres. Patrick Corbin day. Joe Musgrove goes for San Diego. San Diego's minus 265. Their offense exploded against San Francisco yesterday. Do we think it carries over here against Corbin? Quite possibly, although, like you said, Patrick Corbin isn't quite the free square he was before. Mm, Yeah. Astros at the Dodgers. J.P. France gets a start for the Astros. Emmett Sheehan for the Dodgers. L.A. minus 145. Astros as dogs or... Nope, you want no part of it. I don't know. Astros uh, feel like maybe they're they're starting to get right again, taking two out of three from the Mets. Uh, offense really showed out in the last game, put up ten runs. Maybe they found something. France has been good, and 
I don't know anything about this picture yeah. the Dodgers are throwing out there. I, it seems like a good spot to maybe back the, the Astros as dogs. And the Diamondbacks are at the Giants. This is a, a fade spot. We talked about it yesterday yeah. with the Diamondbacks. Instead of the off day, had to travel to D.C. to take on the Nationals. And now it's a cross-country trip to San Francisco to take on the Giants tonight. The pitching matchup way in favor of the Giants with Logan Webb on the hill against Zach Davies. Zach Davies in a 7.11 ERA. Although I will say... Davies much better on the road than he is at home. The thing is, is that the book is clearly factoring in all of this as the Giants are minus 180 favorites. Yeah, that's a big number. Now, my question is, do we fade the Giants the day after losing their 10-game winning streak? It doesn't make me want to fade them, but given that and the hefty number, and like you said, maybe some of that that travel built into the number – the game's going to end up being a pass for me. I thought maybe it was going to be a nice play spot, but there's nothing to play here in my opinion. Yeah, if San Francisco was like minus 120, yeah, minus right. 130, probably uh, probably a play on the on the Giants. But at this price and then factoring in the whole having their winning streak snapped, yeah, I don't think I want any part of it. UFC on ABC Ooh. this week, yeah. Is Belbita fighting? No, she can't fight every week, I Scott. wish she did. Come on. I wish she did. Uh, here's what, what's going on, though. Ilya Taporia and Josh Emmett is the main event. Ilya Taporia, who's undefeated and just blasting through dudes. Uh, this could be a, a real chance for him to, to break out and say, hey, I, I need a title shot. Uh, he is a heavy favorite. So we'll look for some value elsewhere on the card. And limited value uh, on this fight. It's a it's a big number, but it's a warranted number on Justin Toffa minus 175. Uh, Justin Toffa taking on Austin Lane, a guy making his UFC debut. And he, this is a guy who hasn't fought against the highest level of competition. Toffa has been in the UFC almost his entire career. He's won two straight fights, both by knockout. He is a knockout puncher. That's what he does. And he's fighting a guy who is going to be there to be knocked out, a guy who's willing to get into these these wars. Lane's been knocked out three times in his career, making his UFC debut. I think I like Justin Toffa to get the job done. Justin Toffa minus 175 over Austin Lane. I like it. Sold me. If he sold you, you can get the rest of AJ's UFC picks at pregame.com where we have a variety of discounted packages available for you or you can simply get your favorite pregame pro every pick for the weekend. Get a weekender all-access or a seven-day all-access. And the best part about it is you can take 20% off by using our promo code DRAFT20, D-R-A-F-T-20. Gets you 20% off your purchase at pregame.com. If you have not signed up already, Go ahead and do that. It's free. And when you do sign up, you get $25 just for becoming a pregame.com member. And again, take 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com using the promo code DRAFT20. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.